The Chiefs leap into Lambeau for Sunday night football. Let's talk about it. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. I wish you all could see the head shaking that Maddie Lane was putting on while I uh, introed that show. Welcome into a live edition of the Casey Laboratory, presented by Emprise Bank, member FDIC, our partners in Possible here. Absolutely love working with them. They are such a wonderful partner for us. Matthew Lane with the Zoom. Hi, how are we? You know what? Why do we have to pretend? Why? 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 Um, no, I'm doing good. Um, we got you know we got college football conference championship games this coming up weekend. We got the Chiefs playing on a Sunday night. The best time to play a football game. Definitely not Sunday in the middle of the day where you spend all daylight hours. No, no, no. But that's okay. It's a good weekend because the Chiefs aren't playing during the entire daylight time on the Sunday, Greg. Yeah. No, I'm. Very happy that we're not going to be up until super late watching Bailey Zappi uh, get beat down by Patrick Mahomes three weeks from now. But I am very excited that we are going to stay up late to watch Patrick Mahomes and Steve Spagnolo take Jordan Love to task yet again in this game. I'm very excited about this. There are lots of storylines in this one. I kind of want to talk about the defense first with that kind of introduction. Whoa, no, we got to start with the big news, the signing of Keontae Ingram to the Chiefs practice squad. Yes. Hey, hey, oh, go for it. Maddie has receipts. Let's hear them. I mean, uh, my my only receipt is, I, I you know, I, I liked him as a prospect in day three. I said, hey, he's running a lot of the same side, inside zone stuff the Chiefs like to run. That I can see how that fits with the Chiefs. And then, hey, look, he's there now. Um. You know, I, I think Kent and I actually slightly disagreed with them coming out. I don't think Kent was the biggest fan. I you know, like, oh, sorry, I came around on him uh, uh, a little bit, and like, they, there's, I think if I remember, like some of the stuff he did as a route runner, I think it was at the Shrine Bowl. Yeah, was like, okay, all right, Keontae. I didn't, I didn't yeah. see that in you, but uh, yeah. So there was that. So I, I think there's some, there's some. It's, it's a fun practice squad signing for me. I actually am excited about. It. I think it makes a lot of sense with Jerick McKinnon maybe dealing with some injury stuff. The Chiefs got a look at, you know, Pacheco and Clyde Edzelaire as protection backs as like the primary receivers. And I'm not saying they didn't like what they saw or anything like that. But, you know, the fact that they went out and signed a guy that I think probably profiles more as a third down running back kind of guy for the NFL level. I don't, it's a fun signing. It's a guy that I like coming out, a good pedigree out of high school kind of guys you kind of like. And, uh, what the preseason game against the Chiefs this year? He he flashed. He looked pretty good. Like he looked explosive. He looked he looked like a better athlete than some third stringers out there with him, right? And like that's what you want to see. So you know, as much as this was most a joke off the top, I am happy that they signed Keontae Ingram to their practice squad. I think he is definitely a better football player than like Michael Pirine, or for what we've seen out of Denaric Prince. And I liked him better than Prince coming out of of college too. So like, hey, they got better even if it's on the practice squad. I do think that the Chiefs are really good, especially at the running back position, uh, about this time of year, like finding guys for the practice squad for futures contracts yeah. and things like that. It, it, this just screams that to me that they're that they have an idea that they want to, you know, give him a little run next preseason, and you know, he certainly had the juice to look like he belonged this preseason. So, yeah, just feels like one of those typical beach moves where he's like, "Hey, why don't you come hang out over here for a little while, and we'll we'll sign you to a futures contract." 
next year. And that was three good minutes of Keontae Ingram takes practice squad for the Kansas City Chiefs. Texas Let's Mr. Bowl. That's what that's what we're here for. Let's talk about the Packers. She's going to Lambeau. Uh, a little different quarterback than actually it's not a different quarterback than the last time they saw him. Because <laughs> it was Jordan Love. Uh obviously uh, Craig, you did some really interesting study on quarterbacks and you know their first starts and did I? Uh, yes, you did. And I just, you know, it's Jordan. Jordan loves in that 15 start window still. Yes, just barely still in its 15 start window. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo wrote an article for the KCSN Substack about Spags versus quarterbacks in their first 15 starts. Jordan Love still applies at this point. Uh, hasn't quite tallied enough. Uh, Jordan Love very famously was one of these 15 uh, a couple of years ago where Steve Spagnuolo blitzed over half the time and just gave him all kinds of hell. But it wasn't just Jordan Love that he's seen in their first 15 starts. There's a lot of quality quarterbacks, some not quality quarterbacks, but it it's definitely a through line that we have seen. He gives them a really hard time. Like it, it, compared to Spagnuolo's typical numbers, the completion percentage is about 7% lower, seven points lower. As a completion percentage. It's outrageously low. It's under 55%. You know, they allow less than a touchdown, passing touchdown a game out of the quarterbacks. Like he really just kind of puts them through hell. And then the more important thing here, Steve Spagnolo, when he's played his starters, has never lost to a quarterback within their first 15 starts in Kansas City. Wow. Only blemish on that record of the, the quarterbacks that he's faced was Justin Herbert in week 17 of Herbert's rookie year. I think all of you will remember that that was the very famous uh, Colin Saunders playing Mike linebacker throughout part of that game. No starters were playing in that one. That was the Kim <laughs> Ward game, DeAndre Baker game. Like, no starters were playing DeAndre, that. Oh, my goodness. That's the only one that he's dropped. And so, yeah, it's a lead into that. Jordan Love is going to have his hand full with this Chiefs defense. And, and it, Jordan Love's such an interesting person to put into this category because he's in year four, three, four in the NFL. So he's he's been around a minute. He hasn't been starting. He's been sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. He's gotten, you know, spot starts here and there, spot reps here and there. So like he still definitely is there. He still is, is within that first 15 start window. But I don't know if he classifies the same way as most other guys probably did on that list just because like he's been around. And he's, he's a first-round pick that spent some time sitting on the bench. It's going to be interesting to see if once the game starts flying, he falls into the same category of just kind of getting overwhelmed by everything Spags does. Now, that said, we've seen Tom Brady get overwhelmed by Spags. Yeah. So it's yeah. I, I'm not saying that Jordan Love won't or can't be. It's just... I don't know if he fully fits into that or if he does, doesn't like he's like one foot in one foot out on the whole, like how it's going to impact him. I, I, I did want to ask, why do you think that Steve Spagnuolo is able to terrorize these young QBs so much? Like what is the one thing at the top of that list that you think he really messes with them for? Oh, he changed the the picture on him after the ball is snapped like that. And that's one of those things that as a quarterback, you know, we, we've talked about that before. It, it's hard to overcome that, especially, you know, some of the exotic rotations that Spags likes to do on top of blitzing. So, you know, you got to get the ball out fast and you are seeing safety rotation that you're not expecting post snap. There's just a lot that he puts on their plate. So from a processing standpoint, you're still in your first 15. That's really difficult. 
to handle all of that stuff. And there's a lot of quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson in his MVP year fell within this 15, you know, start window in his MVP year. And Spags just gave him hell. Like it was, it was a nightmare for him out there. So lots of, lots of instances like that with very good quarterbacks that he's been able to change the picture consistently, get lots of pressure on him, increase the blitz rate. I, I fully expect that he's going to try and do that with Jordan Love. It's not going to be the same as it was there in 2021. It's just not. Jordan Love's a different football player, been in the system for a lot longer, understands some of that stuff a lot better. But Steve Spagnuolo also knows that, and he's not just going to be like, all right, well, let's dust out the first 15 game plan. We're just going to run the same stuff that we did against the Jarrett Stidhams, the Malik Willises of his you know career. No, that's not going to be the case. You're going to treat Jordan Love a lot different. I'm sure. And, and Jordan Love has, you know, he has a little bit more of a Rolodex of fronts, coverages, pressures that he's seen. You know, like to Maddie's point, this is a four-year player, but he's still an experienced player. And I think you saw that inexperience early in the season for Jordan Love. You know, this has been a slow start for him. He was not playing great the beginning of the year. I think he started to play a little bit better football as the season has gone on, which is obviously great, and it's been fun to watch. I, I was a big believer in the Packers. I was buying the Packers hype. Um, and they started real slow. I mean, they just, they started off really slow. And I think that's partially just, you know, where the offense is. Um, they've been very streaky, you know, they've put together some good halves at times, uh, and then they haven't. And I think you can kind of expect that a little bit with, you know, an experienced quarterback with also some inexperienced receivers. You know, this is a very inexperienced group of pass catchers for, uh, for the Green Bay Packers, Josiah DeGuara, I I believe is an elder statesman. You know, <laughs> in the pass catching group, oh, man. You know, you've yeah. got a Jaden Reed, a Dontavian Wicks, a Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson. That's first and second year players that we're talking about here. And um, there's a lot of talent on that side. You know, with the with the skill players for the Packers, I think it's just you know it's them putting it together, and it's them. Uh, you know, kind of gelling and, and playing consistent football. Well, and so I, you know, going back to like that, um, the first game against Jordan Love for Spags, he he blitzed them like crazy. Craig mentioned that it was just a lot of blitzing. And then to Kent's point, there it's a lot of young wide receivers with a still relatively, you know, inexperienced quarterback in terms of during real live NFL action. So you might think the Chiefs are going to blitz him a lot, and they very well might. However, Jordan Love's been relatively fine to good versus the blitz this year. He's completing just under 60% of his passes for almost 900 yards, five touchdowns, zero interceptions, and only six sacks on 146 dropbacks of being blitzed, right? That's not bad. Like, he's not a guy so far that has been rattled when teams start to blitz. Now, I would argue that Steve Spagnuolo is more, has been, or the Chiefs under Steve Spagnuolo have been the best blitzing team in the NFL this year. I, I think that's pretty much a fact. If not, you know, they're one of the top two or three. So it is a different animal. But I don't think the Chiefs are going to go into this game thinking, okay, all we have to do is send a bunch of guys at him, maybe kind of hide it, and they're just going to collapse because that's not been what the Packers have been. Those young wide receivers and Jordan Love have got on the same page enough that they've been able to, you know, play good football or at least safe football versus the Blitz. They've been on enough same page. They found the right reads and stuff like that. that they've survived. I do think it matters. Luke Musgrave. For the Packers, is it going to be able to play? He was off to a good start. I, we're kind of up in the air for A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones at this point in time. I don't think either one are tracking towards Jaden Reed hasn't practiced this 
this yeah so like this week a yeah, lot of the, a lot of the guys that probably would factor in in some of that stuff aren't gonna you know might not be available so maybe you see some of the blitz heat up I, I just wanted to mention that going into it is that like yeah the chiefs will blitz young guys a lot yeah the chiefs did blitz jordan love a lot in their first time they met up with them but i i don't know if that's going to be the entire game plan here because the packers have done relatively well versus it this year instead to craig's point it's going to be a lot more just changing the picture on the backside, rotating the safeties late, and making Jordan Love hold the ball just an extra second so that if there is pressure, it gets there, so that this defensive line can try to beat up on an offensive line that is, you know, rotating different guys in and out, playing a lot of guys that they thought were going to be backups when the year started. I think it's going to be a lot more about the coverage picture changing necessarily than just overwhelming them with the amount of rushers coming at them. Especially since this Green Bay Packers offense throws more passes downfield than any other team in the league. Like, they try and hit explosive plays. That's why Jaden Reed is such an important part to them. Like, you know, he he has that speed, has that ability to, you know, kind of do some stuff with the ball in his hands. But, you know, so does Christian Watson. And he's been one of the more targeted players downfield. Now, I think a lot of people remember this you know, attempted connection earlier on in the season and it really wasn't working out. But since week nine, Love is 11 for 19 on passes over 20 yards. It's ridiculously efficient right now. And they're they're really starting to click in with some of these and guys. And it's everyone. They're it's throwing everyone. everyone down. For yeah, I would be, yeah, I went and looked at this. Correct. The Chiefs, if they throw downfield, it's going to be MVS or Justin Watson on a crossing route like that or like a deep cross. That's it. The Packers, they kind of spread out their deep passes. Everybody's getting, you know, somewhere between like five and 12 targets on the year downfield. So it's not even like you are IDing a specific player. It's literally whoever they want to send deep on a play. They're sending deep and they they have looked a lot better trying to connect on those, that, you know, the past couple weeks now. So sorry to interrupt. Yeah. No, no, you're good. He's third in EPA. Jordan Love is third in EPA for play in that time period. You know, seventh in success rate. Like there, there's all these advanced metrics that show Jordan Love is playing really well over the past four weeks. So he's a different player than I think everybody remembers when they started this season and everybody just wrote him off immediately said, Oh, you know what? Now not ready for prime time. You know, maybe they shouldn't have moved on from Aaron Rodgers. They can't, you know, hang with Jordan Love as their quarterback. They've definitely been able to over the past four weeks. They look a lot more explosive. They look like a lot better offense. And they're not having to rely on that run game in the same way that they did at times during like, you know, even the Aaron Rodgers years. You you remember Aaron Rodgers being a terrific quarterback, but they were leaning on the run game to try and supplement it and make him be able to hit some of these more explosive plays and explosive shots. They're not necessarily setting up the pass with the run in that same way under, you know, with Jordan Love, under Matt LaFleur. They're just going after. And it, it, that's why, you know, it's it's one of those things, if you are rotating late, if you are trying to change the picture, you have to be very cognizant of that because a late rotation may result in Christian Watson, you know, running past everybody and being open down the sideline there. And they're not going to be afraid to try and take those shots even into pressure because he's still throwing them despite everybody trying to ramp up the pressure against him right now. You have less than a week to get in on the soul of KC raffle that is coming up here. Uh, all the benefits go towards Operation Breakthrough, which is an incredible organization that is helping a lot of kids here in Kansas City. And what we do is we do a raffle, one, one ticket for 20, five tickets for 50, 15 tickets for 125 tickets, and a gift for 150. 
Um, you can purchase tickets at givebutter.com slash KCSN Soul or Venmo KC Sports Network. What we do, you get the raffles. We've got all kinds of incredible prizes. You can see the list there, all kinds of signed memorabilia, gift cards to various restaurants across the KC Metro. World's a fun package, an incredible VIP holiday distillery tour for 12 and a tasting with the master distiller and BJ Kissel. Tickets to the Big 12 men's basketball tournament. It was just so many incredible prizes that you can win and all of the proceeds go towards operation breakthrough you know there's i'm not trying to like pat ourselves on the back but the amount of money that we get to the to to an operation breakthrough relative to some of other you know other people it we literally every dime goes towards it so it's we are we are doing everything we can to get all that money where it needs to go um and so please consider donating. There's links in the description of this show. If you want to donate there, you can donate at KC Sports Network's Venmo. Uh, but it's it's to a phenomenal cause. And it's something that's very, you know, that we all care deeply about. And there's incredible prizes and tons of incredible prizes that you are eligible to win while doing good. Uh, all right. Anything else that you want to talk about with the Packers? Anything specifically to Spags that you guys want to get off your chest? I mean, I, I think it's worth noting, I touched on it earlier, the, the Packers' offensive line has played relatively well this year. Like, they've done a decent job, given that they have to cycle in multiple different guys, they got multiple yeah. backups in, but it's still a very gettable offensive line, right? I mean, I think Rasheed Walker and Zach Tom are playing tackle, and I think Packers fans are relatively happy with their performances, but if you look, they give up a fair amount of pressures. Like, they have a pretty high, you know, pressure rate given up in true pass sets, and then on the interior, outside of Elds and Jenkins, I wouldn't say they feel super confident. So this is one of those games where you might see Chris Jones getting to like pick and choose his matchup across from him, whether that is a tackle, whether that is a guard, you know, trying to find a spot. I wouldn't be surprised to see a Carl Loftus or a Ominahue have a relatively big game because I, I don't think the Packers have tackles that are that they're expecting to shut down anybody. If A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones can't play, that's not a run game that anyone's afraid of. So the, the defensive line should be able to pin their ears back a little bit. I, I think it could be a game for this defensive line for the Chiefs to really kind of take over to impose their will just because I, this Packers offensive line isn't a whole, and I don't think it's going to be. Yeah, and I mean, they're well-coached unit, but they're gettable. You know, the stunts, you know, it, Mike Dana working with George Karloftis or Charles Aminihue on a stunt or something like that. They, they are gettable in that regard. I'm paying attention to their third down back, Patrick Taylor. Patrick Taylor has been... Pretty good picking up blitzes as of late, but he's also not seen some of the blitzers that Steve Spagnolo is going to bring. And, you know, we have seen Drew Tranquil, we have seen Willie Gay Jr., we have seen Leo Chanel, we've even seen Trent McDuffie and Legereus Need lay out some running backs this season on blitzes. It's going to be a long day if it has to be a pass heavy script because they're going to have to trot Patrick Taylor out there. They're going to have to keep him in a lot to give Jordan Love the time that he needs to try and pass, try and get down the field on some of these more explosive plays. He is going to have to be fairly pristine. And for a guy that plays plenty for the Packers, don't get me wrong, he's, he's their third down back, not a guy that has a ton of experience against maybe some high-level blitzers. And the Chiefs are just excellent at that this year every year but especially this year so got a lot on his plate i'm paying attention to that there's just a ton of inexperience in this group with it the is they're the youngest offense is the, youngest the chiefs are they, the, the chiefs still the youngest defense in the nfl right i, I 
believe so, unless stuff has shifted throughout the season. Right. But the, I believe so. You're not the youngest offense versus the youngest defense out there. And I mean, one of those two units is clearly clicking a little bit more than the other. They don't have as many, you know, the Packers have more first time, you know, first year players on that offense and the Chiefs do on their defense. But like, it, it's two young teams going at it. And like, I just think the Chiefs young defense is like, you know, a step ahead of where or a tier above where the Packers offense has been so far. You would expect this to be the kind of game where they continue to kind of flex that out. This is a game where you don't want to see that regression. You don't want to see those first two or three drives versus the Raiders mm-hmm. show up for an extended period of time in this game. You know, and, and I don't know if it's going to happen. I just think the the Packers present a few more unique challenges than the Raiders did, especially in the passing game with a quarterback that has a lot more physical upside than you know AOC did. <laughs> you know, before we move on from defense, you know, like talk about changing the picture on the back end and you know maybe it's not always going to get Jordan Love because he does have a little bit more experience being a four-year player but it might get some of these younger receivers you know like that's part of this too is it, it may it's not just a to- total effort there's a lot of inexperience there Jordan Jordan Love might solve it maybe the guys that are not seeing the same things you know maybe they may, maybe there's some mistakes there that get made so it's something worth paying attention to for sure very young group very uh talented group though for sure and they've started to play a lot better football it's something to pay attention to we're going to take a break we'll be back right after this what's up chiefs kingdom this is tucker franklin from kc sports network thank you for listening to today's show make sure to follow us and subscribe for more chiefs content wherever you get your podcast if you want to support us further, you can shop the latest collection of KC Sports Network merch in partnership with Sandlot Goods. You can find hats, shirts, hoodies, and more at sandlotgoods.com. You can click the link in the description for more information. Hey everyone, this is BJ Kissel. We'll get right back to the show. I just need a minute to share some important news, but as always, thank you for the support. The KCSN Foundation just launched our third annual Soul of KC Holiday Raffle and Toy Drive and it benefits Operation Breakthrough's Christmas store. This campaign has raised more than $35,000 over the past two years, helping provide a better Christmas for kids in our community. And it's simple. We sell raffle tickets for a chance to win any of the more than 20 fantastic prizes that we have available this year. It's things like a Travis Kelsey autographed full-size Chiefs helmet, or a Chris Jones autographed jersey, a George Karloftis jersey. How about a Patrick Mahomes autographed mini helmet? We've got gift cards to local restaurants like Capitol Grill, Mission Taco Joint, or Third Street Social. You can find the full list of prizes on our social media accounts, or you can click the link in the description of this show. Again, all of the proceeds go to buying presents for Operation Breakthrough's Christmas store, and you can get tickets now through December 4th. Help us continue to help others, because that's what the KCSN Foundation is all about. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. The holiday season is just around the corner and it may be a time of gift giving or spending time together with your family. But during this time, you get to define what gift you might give to yourself. The holiday season can also be a time of extra added stress to your life. Whether it's extra stress from possible holiday travel or extra financial stress of gift giving during holiday season or maybe just stress from being around family. So whether it's by starting therapy, going easy on yourself during tough moments or treating yourself to a day of complete rest, Remember to give yourself some love this holiday season. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time with no additional charge. In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash KCSN to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash KCSN. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Thank you, everyone, hanging out with us today. Appreciate you all. Please feel free to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, leave a five-star review if you are so inclined. We very much appreciate it. And again, the Soli Casey raffle, something very, very important to us. Please consider donating to that. Uh, it is going to go to Operation Breakthrough and help a lot of kids. It's one of the coolest things that we do every year, something we are quite proud to be uh, participating in. All right, let's move on to the offense. Uh, let's talk about that and let's, uh, you know, I don't know, like we, we talked a lot about the simplification of this offense and, uh, you know, we, we talked about kind of how this group maybe dumped some things down. That's, that's not a fair word, but you know what I mean? Kept some things simple for this group, got their best players involved. It's a good formula. Maddie, we've talked a lot about building off of this. What do you want to see them build off of this performance last week against the Raiders and show this week against the Packers. Maybe unmute. I don't know. <laughs> Debatable. Um, even more so than building, I want to see them just be able to repeat it, right? I just want to still repeat the F the effort because the Raiders made it easy. They they never once picked like switched the crossing routes to get Rasheed Rice coming across the field. They never like were really driving on any of the screens until the very last one of the game in which Mahomes had to pull it and throw it to NBS back. So, like the Raiders made it easy for the Chiefs to run the game plan they did. So can the Packers make the Chiefs get out of that comfort zone? I think the Chiefs found a comfort zone. I think they're going to come out after you get past the scripted plays. And if they need to, they'll fall back into that comfort zone. If they start to take it away, do the Chiefs have the next answer from there? And if you have to go out of your way, if you're the Packers, to take away Rasheed Rice catching the ball in the open field, if you have to go out of your way to defend all the screens, all the short passing to get the ball in space, does that leave stuff open over the top? Like, I want to see the Packers attempt to take it away, and if the Chiefs can A, just still out-execute through it, or if they have that next step, something they were setting up. Because I don't think they left a lot of plays on the field versus the Raiders. Yeah, you can pick out a deep ball or two that maybe was out there. You can pick out maybe one or two intermediate throws that you know were a shorter pass or a, a smaller gain. 
but they really maximized kind of every single thing that they were trying to do outside of those handful of plays. It's not like they left a lot of meat on the bone. So I wonder what it looks like against the Packers if the Packers can take it away or if they're just going to give all that up again. If they continue to give all that up, I think the Chiefs will take it all game long. Oh, for sure. For sure. And Joe Barry is kind of the ire of a lot of Packers fans. (laughs) Kind of? Coordinator. Not kind of. (laughs) Very much so. So, like, you you look at this on its surface and you say, okay, well, surely, you know, he's going to watch this Raiders game. They're going to make the adjustments that they need to make. He's kind of been a guy throughout his career, not kind of, is a guy throughout his career that just says, hey, I got my stuff. I'm going to run it. And that's how it is. And some of these guys play that way. This is one of those games that I don't know that they've got to really, you know, pull back the curtain very much more to try and get advantageous matchups. Now, the players that are on the Packers defense are better. We're going to get to some of those here coming up. Some are better. You know, than the Raiders. Yeah, some are better, but we're going to get to some of that in a little bit. But I, I do think schematically, I'm not as worried about Joe Barry's going to come in here with an excellent game plan that's going to be able to nullify Travis Kelsey, going to be able to take away a lot of the stuff that Rasheed Rice is doing and keep a lid on a Justin Watson for the two or three times that they try and go downfield. You know, I, I don't see a whole lot of that coming out of this. So I just want to see the execution continue to be, you know, in a positive light for the Kansas City Chiefs offense. It was last week after the first couple of drives. It was one that we could look at and be like, hey, listen, great job. You caught the ball. You ran the right routes. You were on time. You you didn't allow pressure on Patrick Mahomes. It's, you know, it's simple stuff, but that's all that we really need to see out of this offense right now. So I'm just hoping that they can build on it by, you know, they can continue running simple stuff just execute. Like that's really all I want to see out of them is just continue to execute the way that they did against the Raiders. Yeah, you know, like we've seen steps for Rishi Rice all year long, and obviously he just had a big game, and obviously we know what Travis Kelsey's capable of doing. I'm just curious to see if that roster can stretch itself out a little bit farther in the receiver room. You know, what what can a Kadarius Tony do back in the mix mm-hmm. now? We've seen uh, you know, we've seen Rishi Rice, right, have a have a big kind of breakout game and you know, Travis had a really solid game last night or last week too. Okay. It's good things from Sky Moore. Does he keep that up? What is, you know, can Kadarius Tony make some plays here? Can we start seeing this team stretch out that that roster of players a little bit more? Like I, I think that's something that I'm just kind of paying attention to is you know, who else can step up? Who else can start finding their identity within this offense a little differently? That's, you know, like, I think that's a step I think this team can start taking a little bit more as we've seen, you know, hey, look, Rasheed, Travis, keep doing your thing. Let's let's see you know, continued consistency there. But, like, what are the secondary pieces kind of start doing here a little bit? And that's something I'll be paying attention to, especially since Kadarius Tony didn't play last week. Ready for the uh, show, you know, detour here? Uh, yes. Yeah. What, conspiracy theory. What if Kadarius Toney not playing is the reason the Chiefs' offense was so good because it kept Rasheed Rice on the field running the same routes that Kadarius Toney runs? I, let's just I will counter I will counter that with sure. Kadarius Toney has barely been on the field so far this has, season and it hasn't he, mattered. <laughs> no, but he plays 10, 15 snaps. Well, if you take 10, 15 snaps away from Rasheed Rice and it's, you know, I don't know, one of those screens, it's one or two of those mesh concepts. All of a sudden, Rasheed Rice stats look a little bit different, and maybe there's the rest. I just, I see two guys in Tony and Rice that 
the Chiefs want to use in the same way. They only use them in the same way because they don't really want either one of them running a lot of downfield routes right now, a lot of routes based on timing and trust right now. You remove one of those two guys and now they all get funneled to one player. I don't know. I, I don't. Maybe it's a coincidence. This was the best game. Maybe it's you, not. You, would, you know what? I, I will. I will throw this out there. Um, now that I think about it, I remember. Uh, I remember against the Jaguars. I think the last time I saw Mahomes really throw a back shoulder fade might have been a little little stop and go fade down the side. Like. To Kadarius Tony against the Jags, where he adjusted his his gloves as he was getting ready to go up for the ball. Yeah, and yeah. sure enough, I'm last saying, week, I do, do I think this is really what's going on? No, but I do also <laughs> think do, I do also think the two really very much run the same routes. The Chiefs want to use them the same way. We can sit here and talk about Tony's athleticism all we want. They run this, they use them in very simple way. He runs slants and he runs crossers, right? Like that's what it is. Oh yeah. And every like fourth game, they'll put him in the backfield and run like a wheel route out of there. But like that's fun. That's all that's all they run out of him. What did Rasheed Rice do? He ran hitches instead of slants, crossers, and they gave him, guess what? The sideline fades. Okay, you just move the alignment of Tony from the backfield out wide, and it's the exact same usage. So just Rice now leads the team in snap counts because Tony's not eating. It's not a lot but he's not eating into those plays that they want to call for him a little bit. He gets the most targets. I don't know. It's just, I found it interesting. This was Rice's best game, and it was the one game, you know, where he didn't have the guy that directly plays the same role as him. I mean, I, I know what your counter to this is going to be, but just keep sure. throwing him the ball. Just just keep targeting him. <laughs> well, it's hard to target him when Canarius Tony's on the field over and running the same routes. I hear you, Maddie. I hear what exactly. you're saying there. But I, and just, just keep throwing him the ball. I think we're seeing... Rasheed Rice integrated in the offense more and more, even with Kadarius Tony, you know, in the offense the past couple of weeks before that, we started to see Rasheed Rice. Non-contact Rasheed hip Rice injury. Just saying. You see. Not a bad. Increase a little bit more. So, yeah. The report was he aggravated it on Friday, Maddie. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Oh, yeah. During the last practice when they realized he was eating into Rice's reps, huh? And the walkthrough. They're like, wait a second. Okay, buddy. Walk. I'll tell you what. If it happens again this week, if they announce that he's out on Saturday again this week, I may get on. I may get in your conspiracy corner. How about am that? I, am, I remembering, am I remembering? Am I remembering? Game? Is, was there a moment? I feel like, you know, one of Maddie's bits at one point. Didn't he put tinfoil active actually on his head at one point in the last five years? Are you sure? Are you sure about that? I would remember that. Are you sure about that? I usually put on glasses. Yeah, Craig, I think maybe I usually put on like glasses when I want to pretend that something funny's happening. That's how you know this one's serious. There's no glasses. Put glasses on so everyone can see your ring light. Um, okay, uh, try to, I don't know how to pull this back from here. Um, I'd love to see you try. I, I am intrigued to see if they put them both on the field at the same time, how it works. I, I honestly am legitimately, if you get, I, Tony's not going to play a lot of reps, but if you get them both out there at the same time, how do you go about making sure defenses are going to honor both of them? And like, maybe that's the, maybe that's the play is you're like, Hey, you now have two guys that if they get the ball in open space, they can do a lot of damage. How are you going to go about defending both of them and double teaming Travis Kelsey? I can buy that logic. I can also buy the logic that Tony was the one person holding back this offense and Rasheed Rice's growth. Okay, I'm really getting this back on track. 
Green Bay pass rush is legit, you guys. <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it is very, very good. Um, it, so far, Kenny Clark, uh, Devontae Wyatt, they're, they're in the middle there. Carl Brooks has actually been the guy that's been really effective for them somehow. Like, he, he just really has. Preston Smith has looked really good. And then, obviously, Rashawn Gary has been just terrific for, for this defense so far this year. Um, they haven't played a ton of elite passing offenses lately. Like, uh, most of the games that they've been playing against been against teams that are very middling offenses. Yes, I'm including the Los Angeles Chargers in this, who uh, I think at one point our Drag buddy him. Jake Morley uh, made sure to put in the chat, is like, you guys get to play this level of effort twice a year. I can't believe this. You know? <laughs> so, the you Chargers know, turned up against the Chiefs, though. That's the problem. They do. They do. They do. But I, he's just kind of saying in general there, before that, it was the Pittsburgh Steelers, Los Angeles Rams, when they were still really banged up. And then it was the Vikings before that. And one of Kirk Cousins' last games lost Kirk? that. Yeah. yeah that that was digit loss. 84-yard passing game. Last week was a 324-yard passing game out of the Detroit Lions, but it's because they had such an effective pass rush that they were able to shut down the Lions despite all those yards. Jared Goff fumbled three times in this game, and all three of them were lost. So this was one of those that you look at, and you're looking at some of the box scores, you're looking at the way that the Lions were able to move the ball, and you're like, holy cow, how did they lose this game to the Packers? And it's because they they were so good you know, rushing the passer, forcing fumbles, creating big tide turning moments. It starts with that defensive line. Like it just really does. And they've been really good this year. So that's one of the few areas when I look at this game and I say, what's one of the few areas that the Green Bay Packers can turn the tide against the Chiefs? It's if that defensive line can really get going. Boy, howdy. This, I'm just looking at this schedule, man. And <laughs> they, have, they played uh, the Lions twice. Yeah, okay. To cool. be fair. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, the Packers defensive line, they have six guys with over 10%, you know, pass rush win rate all, along the defensive line. Good. Obviously, it's said by Rashawn Gary, Craig Mitchell, other guys, but I mean, Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt have also put up some pretty good numbers there on the interior. So, like, they do, they can present problems as rushers. I think they will move guys around. They will hunt matchups a little bit. So, like, that's probably a little scary for Donovan Smith, who I think is progressively playing a little bit worse and worse as the year has gone on. Or it's become more noticeable that he is a definite weak link among the offense. Like, I think they're starting to scheme around him a little bit. He is the guy more often than not, if protection breaks down, it kind of starts on that side the majority of the time. So, I think they're going to realize that you're probably going to get a lot of Rashawn Gary over Donovan Smith. You're probably going to get a lot of stunts and twists making Donovan Smith move laterally, which is not great. So uh, that is something to keep an eye on how the Chiefs have to go about trying to help him. And then the Packers are just going to rush four. They're not going to blitz much. They're not going to get exotic. They're going to send their four guys out there in this rotation. It's a good rotation. They're going to send them out there and they're going to say, hey, block this up. The good news for the Chiefs is if they don't alter too much of their back end stuff, the ball should come out pretty quick. Again, you know, it should be the quick passes. The ball's getting out quick. That should allow them, you know, to not have to deal with it too much. But it's something to keep an eye on. This Packers team is the closest to the Jets the Chiefs have played since then, just in terms of being able to send in waves and waves of players that could essentially change the entire game plan the Chiefs have, right? Like, just that's how good their defensive line is, and this pass rush can be. So it'll be a good test because that Jets game, the last time the, you know, the Eagles, I guess, were in there too, they yeah. played a little different. But yeah, 
I mean, like that's another defensive line that could really impact how this game plays out. So that that's the biggest thing I think the Packers defense can do to to you know put the Chiefs off course. Well, it, I mean, it's gonna be a big challenge for those tackles. You know, I mean, it, it's gonna be a big big challenge for that group there. And we've talked about them a little bit, right? With you know Jawan Taylor and the penalties and a little bit of the inconsistencies, although plenty of right spots in his in his tape. And then I mean Donovan Smith, it's been rough. <laughs> it's been rough over there uh, at left tackle for Donovan Smith and he's you know he's hurt again you know, he's been playing through injuries and stuff a little bit and getting banged up from time to time so um, yeah it's going to be a big challenge for that front uh, do you want to see them run the ball at all do you care if they run the ball do you want to see them run the ball like you know like you got to keep them honest. You you do. You got to keep that defensive line honest because otherwise they're just going to tee off. And they're good enough to where they're they're going to be wanting to lean into that a little bit more. Uh, I don't love the linebackers for for the Packers. I you know Devondre Campbell was really good a couple of years ago. He hasn't touched that since. Isaiah McDuffie plays a ton of them. He's just okay. Like I you know. They, they don't have a ton of their, and I don't think that their safety play has been so overwhelming that you're like, oh man, you don't, bad. yeah, it's been bad. So it's one of those that I could see them maybe leaning on the run game a little bit more. Now, a lot of teams haven't, you know, we just described a lot of those offenses and a lot of teams haven't been able to run the ball against this Packers offense. They haven't allowed a 70 yard rusher this year. They haven't allowed a hundred yard receiver this year either. Like they, they have done a good job of, limiting singular players from really taking it to them a little bit. Now, I'm not saying that Isaiah Pacheco is going to come out there and have a 100-yard game or anything like that, but lean into it a little bit more, slow down the pass rush, help your tackles a little bit by making everybody read a run-pass option a little bit more. Put a little eye candy on there. You know, they play a 3-4 defense. If you can get them in their base defense a little more, they Chiefs played with them 13 personnel last week. Get some, get Noah Gray running across there. Get somebody, you know, moving laterally, forcing Rashawn Gary into coverage. Like you, you are forcing him to have to read that because if he doesn't, well, hey, you know, get the ball to Noah Gray in the flat. So I think there are opportunities to try and slow down the pass rush. Andy Reid is really good at that. I think the run game is one of those. Yeah, I think you got to, like Craig said, you got to keep them honest a little bit. Um, you can, and this might be one of those few games where they might actually be able to stick to just some of their zone call stuff and see if it works. Like that, that's usually enough when the entire goal is to keep a team honest, is the Chiefs will just throw their zone, their inside, outside zone out there, see if they break one here or there. I, I do think it's interesting. The Packers defense is pretty poor overall against heavier personnel. So against like 12 and 13 personnel. They've been pretty bad. They're they're the absolute worst in the league in terms of EPA per play against 13 personnel. They're 27th against 12 personnel. They don't particularly defend the run well out of I mean, that would you would assume that's them getting into base, and they don't defend the run well out of those situations. So I, I think it is worth knowing the Chiefs have, you know, been trending towards a little bit more 12, a little bit more 13 personnel. They will put some extra tight ends out there. So it'll be interesting to see if you get more of that double tight end return motions that they were doing. They get some of those tight ends where they're in, they're doing a double insert of tight ends on some of their runs. Like they, they've gotten creative when they're having to run out of these heavy personnel packages. I wonder if this is a game where you see some of that come back in a little bit. It's against another NFC team, a team you probably won't play again. So this is where Andy Reid does like to sprinkle and stuff like that. Go back and look at, I don't know, the Eagles game where the run game looked good because they were doing a little bit more stuff. So I, I think you might see some of the run game you might see the Chiefs try to play out of heavier personnel, multiple tight ends a, few, a little bit more often. 
All right, players to watch presented by Tickets for Less. Remember, Tickets for Less, promo code KCSN when you go to ticketsforless.com gets you the best guaranteed discount available on ticketsforless.com for your Chiefs tickets. So make sure you're taking advantage of that. Tickets for Less, promo code KCSN. Craig, player to watch, who you got? I'm going with Trent McDuffie on the defensive side of the ball here. This is not the best matchup for Trent McDuffie and the wide receiver group. This is a very big wide receiver room outside of Jaden Reed. A lot of these guys are over 6'1 and big, and they like to throw contested catches up. There, There's a lot of downfield passes that they're not afraid to just wing it up there and say, hey, Christian Watson, go get it, and he does. Trey McDuffie's not played the ball particularly well at the catch point. That's one of the few flaws that he has in the game. Very few flaws that he has in his game. So trying to figure out ways to maximize his effectivity on this defense while not just saying, all right, buddy, you're one-on-one against Christian Watson or Dontavian Wicks or Romeo Dobbs or somebody like that that's much bigger than him and is willing to go up and get a contested catch. They've got to find that heavy balance, whether it is more blitzing, whether it is maybe a little more zone with some safety help over the top, you've got to force Jordan Love to make the throws that Aiden O'Connell made this past weekend over him by trying to drop it in zone holes and things like that. So I'm really curious to see what Trent McDuffie's usage is. They're not going to see another wide receiving group that's this big again this year. So how does he look against those bigger receiving yeah, and Christian Watson played a lot more in the slot with Luke Musgrave being out last week. So you might get more Christian Watson in the slot, which is a matchup versus McDuffie, which, you know, may not be the most ideal for the Chiefs, you know, if they're just going to throw up the YOLO ball. Um, that said, I, I'm going to go to the other side of the ball, um, the side of the ball that matters, the side of the ball we all care about. Let's go. We are going to lock it in. We are going to go. Well, I haven't decided yet. I want to know which guy. Noah Gray. I said the Chiefs might go into a lot of, a little bit heavier personnel. They might play with extra tight ends. I think. Noah Gray in games where the Chiefs decide to stick with heavier tight end, you know, heavier personnel sets. Noah Gray does seem to make a few big plays every single game. He's kind of become the de facto outlet pass as Travis Kelsey is getting more attention and getting a lot more double and triple teams. It's left Noah Gray to be the guy that's often finding a lot of voids in zone coverage, the guy that Mahomes has found later in plays as the other reads start to get covered. So he's kind of been the safety net. And I think that might continue in this game especially because he might be one of those games where he sees a higher bit of snap count. And hey, maybe there's a little extra extra motivation because Zach Ertz has been cut by the Cardinals. He is now on waivers. I know plenty of Chiefs fans are interested in the Chiefs trying to go after Ertz to be an extra tight end. Apparently, Adam Schefter mentioned you know, the Chiefs is a possibility along with, you know, Bills, Raves, a bunch of teams, right? A bunch of teams that might be in the market. But the Chiefs were at least mentioned as maybe being interested in Zach Ertz on the waiver wire. So maybe a little extra motivation for Noah Gray to come out here and have a big game and say, hey, you don't need another receiving tight end because I'm already here. He's not going to block any better than me or at all. So just keep me instead. I'm going to keep an eye on Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony this week. I just want to continue. You can't do that. I'm doing it. Matthew, you have nope. you have. there are no rules for you. I am going to go ahead and... You're not me. This. You're not him. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, I'm going to go with Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony. I just I want to continue to see you know if there can be an emergence of more reliability for either of them. Obviously, Kadarius, you know, actually, you know what? It's not just his best avail- ability is his availability at this point. He's not played well, and he has not been as consistent. He has not been as dynamic, or you know, 
good this year as he's been in years, you know, the year prior. So, yeah, let's see Sky. Let's see if Kadarius Tony can step up and if he can make some plays. Passing game, this offense would be really valuable. Uh, and Sky Moore, I more of what we just saw last week. I think that was a really good step for him. So getting him involved a little bit, making a couple catches, three catches I believe last week. So that's that's big time. Let's go. Let's see both of those. Prediction time. Oh, I we did this. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Craig. Okay. Um, the Green Bay Packers offense for everything that I said about their effectivity being you know very good as of late. Jordan Love being a lot better as of late. They have still only scored higher than 24 points twice this year. Once in week one against the Chicago Bears, and then once last week against the Detroit Lions where they created three turnovers. It They have not been especially effective. And while they could get after the quarterback and they could get after Patrick Mahomes, and this Chiefs offense is, at this point, because we haven't seen much yet, a little bit of a grab back. We don't know what we're going to get. It's an NFC opponent. Andy Reid's now got to feel like he's got to keep everything closest to the vest, you know, for a playoff time. And this Chiefs defense is just the best defense that the Green Bay Packers have seen all year long, bar none. Steve Spagnuolo is going to have a game plan to try and limit those explosive plays. He's going to have a game plan to try and get to Jordan Love and rattle him, which he hasn't been that rattled as of late. I think that the Chiefs are going to come out and despite all the positive things that I said about the Packers, I think they're going to be good in the future here. I think the Chiefs are going to beat them down. Like, I think this is going to be a blow the doors off of them type game, a get right game for the offense. The defense does what they need to do. We're going to look back at this one and being like, oh, this team is finally clicking. They are finally looking good going into a big game next week against the Buffalo Bills. I got the Chiefs winning this one 31 to 14. Woo. All right. So is it me, Kent? I just want to double check. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, I'm a, I think Craig is right. And then in the past, I'd feel very confident that you're rolling up in the December chiefs football. You're getting ready for the playoffs. This is where the chiefs start to gel. This is where they go on the win streak to go into the playoffs. The only time they take losses at this point is either week 17, 18, whatever it is when they're not caring or when they're playing an AFC opponent, they anticipate they can get in the playoffs. The Packers are either of those. Packers are an NFC team. You stack that on the fact of the fact that Packers aren't that good. They're not a terrible team, but they're not a good team either. This is a game that in years past, I feel very confident the Chiefs are going to roll in here, get stuff clicking on offense early, hit halftime with a good lead, and just coast it out to a relatively easy win that maybe we semi-sweat out later that it might end up being close because they're just they're just coasting. Problem is, I have zero trust in this team right now on the offensive side of the ball to do that. I think last week was great. What we saw against the Raiders was a great start. And like I said, I think they've kind of built the bones of what the the safety net of this offense can be. But I got to see more than one game against a Raiders team who just played terribly on defense too. Like the Chiefs did good, but the Raiders played awful on defense. I get to see more than that before I'm ready to really buy in. So like the Chiefs should go in and blow the doors off this Packers team at this moment in time. In years past, they would. I don't trust the offense to do it, but I also think that they might. So like, this is kind of like, it's a hedging spot here. If they don't come in here, they don't look good. I am a little bit more concerned than I you know, maybe have been the past couple weeks about this Chiefs team. I think they're going to win it. I'm going to say 27-17, a nice comfortable win. But if it's not that easy, if this doesn't look like a Chiefs team priming for the playoffs, 
playing a team they're not going to see again, unloading the clip, really getting things in rhythm, getting things rolling downhill, then I get nervous. Make some very compelling points, Matthew. Thank you. I know you weren't listening, but thank you. <laughs> the Chiefs are the Chiefs are are going to win this game in comfortable fashion. They are going to put together a really solid performance on both sides of the football. They're going to score a lot of points again, and Maddie's going to be seething because this is going to be a comfortable double digit. 31-17 win, a duplicate of last week's score. You know, I, I I feel good about last week. I do think they found something. I think things are coming along strong. And I, I think you're going to see them continue to grow and build and trend in the right direction with some other young players getting a lot more uh, and a lot more involved. So sign me up for a 31-17 victory. Craig Stout, you said you have some breaking news. I do have some breaking news. Let's go. Solar KC raffle. Continue to donate. Get those in. The link's down there. You know, we, we've talked about it all show. Gentlemen, while we were recording this show, we hit five figures. Woo! Let's go. What? So, Hello. Keep, seriously, you guys. seriously, keep pouring in those donations. All, all of that money is going towards buying gifts this holiday. For children in need as part of Operation Breakthrough, you guys rule. Thank you so much. I just got a text here from our good pal Christian Gummager here. Yes, we we have crossed over the five-figure mark. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Unbelievable. Wow. Thank you guys Thanks. so much. Like, seriously, that... Yeah, that's insane. Really appreciate that. You, have, you guys have no idea how... How impactful that is! Um, watch the video from last year. Holy cow! It. Um, yeah. It's one of the. It's it's just unbelievable to see the kind of impact that you guys all make um, and your support of all this. And you have no idea how much that benefits those kids. So thank you guys all so much. Uh, please continue to donate. Let's let's get let's get let's get it up there. Let's get it up there. Let's, let's go. go it up. Let's run it up. Let's keep going, because uh, yeah, we still got five more days to go, and and there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of good out there. So uh, really appreciate everybody. That that's a what a what a wonderful way to end the show. That was great breaking news, Craig. That is going to do it for that. That's going to do it for this episode of the Casey Laboratory. Thank you all again. Holy crap! Thank you so much. Appreciate you. We love you, and we'll catch you later. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.